It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are done, at least in Buffalo done with the preseason NFL. Thank God, because meaningless football is always boring. We're entering the month of September where the, uh, you know, the races in the national and American league start to get interesting. Uh, although I'm not sure Russ after two, after six games in a row, whether the Mets are still in it. I mean, they're in it actually. So, so here's the interesting thing about them being in it, or if you believe they're in it, uh, I'm going tonight against the Phillies. Certainly they have to win. But the, the issue is when you get into the um, percentages and strength of schedule, the Mets have a 17% chance compared to the Phillies five, according to fan graphs. I totally 100% disagree with this for a lot of reasons. So the first one is this isn't set like the NHL season. It's a little easier to predict because unless there's an injury, you know what's happening. Right. But in two days, the MLB rosters go up and all kinds of players flood onto the, to the major league club that now, completely changes teams. Now let me, let me ask, cause I remember there was, is, is there a, ch- they can expand to 40, but now is it basically they're limited to a certain amount of players per game or are the, are the rosters like, will they have unlimited bullpens like they've had in years past? Didn't they change this? I don't think they fully changed it, but even if they did, they can rotate in and out players, right? Yeah. Either way, it completely changes a team. Mm-hmm. And so when the guy wrote this article on MLB, it's like he didn't take any of that into account. He just took into account the face value, who these teams are playing, and what their mathematical chances are. And that's when math is crap. I'm sorry. That's when you have to look at more than that. It's situational math, and he and he didn't do that. Yeah, and, and to your point, I mean – I mean, I don't know what the depth of the uh, of the Mets organization is in terms of bullpen, because I, but I've heard a lot of commentary about the fact that their bullpen is struggling, and if they have guys down in Syracuse that can help them in in September, then they might be able to get back into the race. But they don't really have bullpen help. But the help that they have is Dilson Herrera, who plays second base. He's got like twenty five homers. He's he had a cup of coffee in the majors. He could help them. I would play him over Joe Panic like every day of the week. There's yeah. that. They also could bring up Jed Lowry because he's played four or five games. I mean, if Jed Lowry's healthy, he'll be a good addition. So, but bullpen, no, there's nothing that's going to help him really in the bullpen. And and I'll just give this as an example of how organizations, I don't think, really care about their minor league teams. Uh, mathematically, the AAA Buffalo Bisons, who are the affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, were in the playoff race as of yesterday. They had a starter who pitched a no-hitter a few weeks ago who pitched into the fifth or sixth inning, and they pulled him out after 68 pitches to bring in somebody else. I don't know if that was because he's going to get called up on September the 1st or what the reason was, but their bullpen, which is bad, which is pretty bad, blew, blew the game. And now they're they're officially eliminated. So the, <coughs> these organizations, they don't and honestly, unless it's managing the innings or or being extra careful with their top prospects, I think they really don't care about these teams. No, this is innings management, and I can give you a perfect example. Years ago, I went to a game in Trenton, and it was the Yankees against the Mets. It was the playoffs. So, and Sandy Alderson was the GM at the time, and he was there in attendance. They pitched Noah Syndergaard. He was on a 80 or 90 pitch count. He literally brought that into the fifth inning and was shutting the Yankees down. The minute he came out of the game, the Yankees <laughs> came back and the Mets lost. Mm. And the Mets were out of the playoffs. That is your perfect example of, yes, not caring and only caring about that player going forward as a major league asset. Yeah, and, and last thing on baseball, and then we'll get into the hockey. Um, the trade deadline that was the new trade deadline that was implemented this year 
has been has proven to be a joke. And I would not be surprised if the major leagues change the deadline next year because July 31st was too early. And all you had is basically these teams using surreptitious means to try to move players. You know, they waived them. And then, you know, miraculously, teams picked them up off of waivers. So teams were able to, and, and I, I will be curious to see if like some of these trade, some of these teams who, who waive players who normally they wouldn't move, you know, make other deals with the same team and get a minor leaguer. It, it just seemed to me that that was the only method they could use to move players off the roster. And they did that instead of making the, like these, the waiver, the, uh, the waiver trades after July 31st. So I, 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 if I was the major leagues, I would make the, the deadline August 15th. It cuts it in half and then you can have one deadline, no non-waiver and waiver. But to have it in July 31st when teams still don't know where they really are is just stupid. But no, anyway. it's, it's, it's really dumb. And you predicted there would be all kinds of backdooring on, on this. And there has been teams have, teams have basically waived so many players Mm-hmm. It's it's been laughable, and and it's just so they are hoping another team will just pick them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, just do it the right way. I mean, why did you create this loophole that shouldn't exist? That's all. All right, let's get started. Hello, hockey world. Today is Friday, August thirtieth, twenty nineteen. I'm Peter Testing, not talking about baseball, and in uh, balmy Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And goodbye, August, because when we come back from the Labor Day break on Tuesday, it'll be September, and uh, rookie tournaments will be starting at the end of that week and training camps in two weeks. We will be starting our team previews next week, next Tuesday when we, when we come back from the break. Um, some news and not, not a lot of news today. So uh, well, the one thing I was going to say about the team previews, Mike, that everybody likes is this is when we tell them their team sucks and people yeah. say you're wrong yeah. halfway through the season. They point yeah. it out. Well, I mean, hey, it works for Deadspin because Deadspin seems to go – they write about every NFL team and say every NFL team blows. And it's like, you know, they, they're probably ha- – they're, they're half right about the, the half of the league that does blow, but they even say – they write columns about how the New England Patriots blow. And that you – know, it's just – you know, I, I don't get that. But anyway, um, we'll start with the – and I don't know if we should be optimistic about what is what has come out, but um, Pierre Lebrun yesterday reported that the uh, uh, Players Association and some – uh, additional players would meet in Chicago on Wednesday regarding an update on the uh, ongoing CBA scenario. Now, remember, this is the time where the uh, the owners or the players can opt out of the CBA. They can opt out at the end uh, or in the summer of 2020, which is after this year, um, which puts next season in in doubt if one of them does opt out. Um, LeBron believes that the owners will not, that they like things the way they are, and it will put the onus on the players. And the question is whether the players want to go with the current system um, as is for another two years, or they have reservations and want to negotiate a new CBA, which would start once they say no. And now the owners have to make their decision this weekend. So we'll find out one way or the other if LeBron is right based on his connections. I would I would think that uh, the owners are gonna are gonna say we're good. And then it's September 15th, which is two weeks, right when training camps open, uh, when the, the players association will decide whether they want to opt out or not. Um, Russ, I don't you know, I, I think we'd just be guessing if we to to say if the players are going to opt out or not, but once that decision is made, then we take the next step in this in this procedure. Yeah, I the owners will definitely not opt out. So they'll they'll do what LeBron said and they'll be like, okay, players, it's up to you. And honestly, I think a better way would have been for both sides to meet and say, hey, if we're not gonna opt out, let's do this jointly and put out a joint thing same day and say we're not opting out together. Don't you think that would have looked better, Peter? Yeah, I do. And I, I, you know, I wish somehow they could start these things with saying, 
we've gone through this essentially three times now two with the salary cap era and once before we need to whittle this down to like bring your top three issues to the table we'll bring ours and we're only working on those and and focus on what really matters not the minutia of dumb things right let's get to the heart and the matter and fix the big stuff the low-hanging fruit they can make addendums they can adjust stuff like that and negotiate throughout the year on on stuff but fix it up like and then come to the table together saying this is where we're working i absolutely agree with that no one has the patience for the propaganda and spin of us versus them no one you do this again it's not recovering um baseball's making a the guy who's not even the baseball fan is starting to see the baseball's making a bit of a comeback it's getting in more and more news it's getting it's, it's sort of coming out of its lull mm -hmm. basketball is very big right now particularly in canada and football is its own behemoth and there's another league coming in yeah you don't have the time to fart around with this stuff so you're absolutely right russ you got to come together and have unified stuff and let people know that you both care and you're not pointing fingers at the other side well the i think the nfl the nfl is on the verge of there, there's going to be some sort of lock there's a work stoppage there yeah there's going to be a big one because but that doesn't matter to them no, it did. well, I mean, it'll matter. It'll matter to the fans, obviously. But, but I think you know, it's been long overdue because the owners have run roughshod over the over the players in the NFL for decades. You know, Gene Upshaw was was you know, he was walked over by the NFL many many times in negotiations, and it hasn't gotten better in recent in recent years. Um, I, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm of the opinion right now. You know, you know, um, Darren Drager reported after uh, LeBron had posted the the update on the on the uh, the players getting together that, the next week uh, he said based on progressive discussions with the PA expect the NHL to announce within a day or two its intent to decline but there has been and I know that Elliot Friedman has touched on this as well there has been talks ongoing like sort of under the under the radar talks between the two sides right. I think that's indicative of the fact that the players and the owners recognize that this league cannot take another lockout, even yeah. if it is two or three months, because right. fans, first of all, the, the, the game slowly grew back from when it missed uh, in, in 04, 05. Then it had another shock wave in 2012, and it was only two and a half months, I believe. It was, yeah, two, two and a half, three months. But that just reminded people you know, that this is just stupid. And I think it took a little yeah. bit of time for, for people to, 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 to come back and not be jaded about what the NHL and what the players are doing. And I, I really think that if they go down this road again, that people will say, screw this and go some, go watch something else. Well, I think there's more to consider than just like the NHL, the PA and their fans, and that's their partner. Right. And so when you look at, the NHL partners, MLB BAM, like they have labor peace. And so they, you know, they're going to say to the NHL behind the scenes, hey, listen, we signed this deal with you. We we have labor peace. Why can't you, right? So I think that they would put some pressure on them. I think NBC for the next contract that's coming up, hey, if there's a, if there's a stoppage here, right? how all in are they going to be on the next contract, right? Because, again – that's going to affect their plans, their long-range plan. Mm -hmm. And so I think those two things will probably be big factors. And as long as they keep the information flowing and, and nobody has a hissy fit, I could see it not happening. And so far, it's, been, it's, it's going well. But you yeah. know what the reality is? The reality is, is as you just said, um, Mike, that neither side can afford to do this. Which one's going to choose to use that as leverage against the other? That's how this is going to go, and we know it. Well, uh, I don't think any either side has grown in maturity mm. or or understanding of what issues are. It's it's you know it's the Normans have to forgive the Saxon sort of thing. You have to go back and say we screwed up a long time ago. Now we got to fix it and make this fair. Well, here's the three issues to make it fair for us. Here's the three issues to make it fair for us, and go from there. They're going to negotiate 
I want them to do something else, but you know it's not going to happen. There's too well, much money at stake and people are too greedy. I also perceive that right now the issues that were on the table in 2012 are nowhere close to be. I mean, the, the issues then are so much bigger than the issues that are that are going to be up there now. I mean, hockey-related revenue and 50-50 split of revenue, getting to that point uh, was a bit was a big hurdle. Um, and, and, and the, you know, the, the salary cap before that was a big, was a big hurdle. Now we're talking about, you know, I think that the RFA situation needs to be addressed, but are they, are the owners going to lock the players out to get RFAs out of entry level, either getting entry level expanded or getting RFAs coming out of entry level at a cap in terms of a, a number of years or, or an amount? I, I don't think so. So I, I, I don't and, – and, and there's no remedy to rescue on the Players Association side because escrow was part of hockey-related related revenue. So I think there will be tinkering, but there, there's nothing big that they're going to go to the mat on. That's, that's why I think in the end something will get done – you know, maybe during the season this year, if, if the players opt out or over the summer, but I, you know, I, I just can't see them going, you know, going to war once again. Well, I mean, and there's something else to consider here too. So the owners have much longer careers than the players, right? Mm -hmm. And the owners can easily point out, Hey, are you going to lock out when there's another world cup planned? Even though you guys may have said, ah, it was only like 40 grand a player. Those lower level players, need that 40 grand like they don't know how many years they're playing that's that's yeah. actually a big deal for them those things never come back like if you have a, a stoppage that's you know going into that season a lot of those extra things get canceled before the season even starts if they see that it's going south and that's revenue you do never you you don't get it back it's yeah. fine right all right um we have to talk about this because it's just been the most I, that's surprising. Maybe it's not shouldn't be surprising based on what we've heard about uh, the the big contract that Sportsnet signed with the NHL uh, a few years ago. Uh, I think it was five point two billion five point two billion dollars. Um, and after and I I've, I have heard that because of a number of factors. One, you know, Rogers owns the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, after having a couple runs to the ALCS, have lost tons of money but it's also they're not getting the ad revenue that they expected out of the nhl um they're also a lot of the a lot of the uh nhl canadian based teams uh exited in the first round so that knocked down the ratings even more all i can say is there's been an absolute purge at Sportsnet, of a lot of you know, good hockey guys who you know who who have provided good coverage over the years, and in the last few days, I mean, Bob McCowan, who's more local, but he was on Sportsnet uh, as a, as a radio host, uh, host of primetime sports for years. He was he was uh, uh, axed. Uh, Scott Morrison, who did uh, some stuff for uh, for Sportsnet during their their hockey broadcasts, a really good reporter, member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he is gone. And now in the last week, Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean, and John Shannon, which I learned about yesterday. Uh, you know, Peter, I mean, you know, when I'm not at games in Toronto, I'm watching games on Sportsnet. I'm wondering who's left. You know, it's like a, a, there's, not a, there's not a lot of bodies left there to cover the games. Yeah, Elliot Friedman and Steve Dangle. <laughs> Ellie Friedman, Chris Johnston, Jeff Merrick, Steve Dangle, a few others. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I too, right? Kelly Rudy, he's gone. Um, no, I haven't heard anything, haven't heard anything. there. Yeah, so this, but wait a day. This is the trend that we're seeing in in media um, across the board. I have a very good friend of mine who's worked in the radio business forever, and what happens is, is companies go, they try to grow, they try to get growth, they bring in brand names, they're high priced talent to attract them. But when the revenues don't grow and the contracts come up, these are the guys who are jettisoned and they'd rather build from within. It's it's the same things overpriced free agents. Mm -hmm. It's the same ideas, what they've done. It's the same model. And when you can't make money from it or you don't get the success, you've got to get rid of them. I'm not saying any of these guys are overpriced, but the media landscape is different. And it's changing. It's hard. Rogers has to sell a lot of ads. And in fact, 
um, from talking to a media person I know here who works not in the broadcast side of things, but in the business end of it, he explained to me that there might only be two Canadian markets making positive money for the, the broadcasters in those markets, making positive mo money on um, the broadcast rights. So I, I know for, for a fact that TSN just cannot sell ads at the rate they need to justify their um, cost for the Winnipeg Jets broadcast on radio and TV. Like the net of the two rights doesn't equal the cost. I'll say this. It, it's, and it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's not about the talent. It is about how the consumer consumes it. And it's starting to change. And I don't think Rogers caught up with that quick enough. No. And, and so, you know, even as a perfect example, the Sportsnet show at noon, like we all like that show, but did they monetize that to their, to their advantage? Did either them or the NHL? Probably not. I mean, that was just like a show that's sort of like a part of all the other shows, right? Yeah. But, but, but they got viewers, but I don't think they got it. They took advantage of the viewers they got. And they never had set guys on either. So that's another thing that if you had set people on that show, it may have better results. Because, you know, let's face it, my it certain days, I'm sure I like this combination and turn it off. So that's that's a factor. The other factor is cost, like you said, cost of salaries. I'm not saying that these guys should make less money, but I'm suggesting, like he was saying, yeah, they don't feel like they can make money off of you. It's a problem. The other issue, the other issue is like Don Shannon's the best in the business, right? I don't think anyone argue business hockey reporting. He is the best in the business. And when they let a guy like that go, that tells you that it's a bigger issue than the guys. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kiprios had been with Sportsnet for over 20 years. Um, you know, and I mean, and to, you know, I mean, Bob Cole was just ready. It was, I don't think he wanted to retire, but I think they also were, you know, I'm not, I'm sure, not sure what he was making, but he, maybe he's included in this as well because I think he wanted to basically keep broadcasting until he he died, and they, you know, I think it was he was told this is your last year. At least that's that's what I had heard. But you know, and and there had been some rumors about Don Cherry and about how long he's going to go. Yeah. I, I think he's probably safe for for this year or at least. I mean, but. You know, if if you're talking about budgetary cuts and Cherry makes, I'm sure, a pretty penny after being, you know, the signature segment on Hockey Night in Canada for what, over 30 years, you know, it's only a matter of time there because there, you're right, Russ. It's like it doesn't matter about the quality of the of, of the person. No, they're just they're just slashing and burning. And I mean, I'm just thinking of it as, you know. I know some of these guys. Um, I've met a number of them, and uh, going up to Toronto and covering Leaf games, they're all great. Um, but as a fan, as somebody who watches these games, the presentation and what you learn about the game is going to suffer because they're not there anymore. Right. So, perfect example. To me, the pressure is on the creative team. So. Coach's corner, let's say Don Cherry's out. Is he out? I mean, have we ever heard officially? No, no, I, I would think if, if he was out, we would have heard it okay. by now. So well, I'm assuming he's back. He gets another year, but let's say Don Cherry's out next year, right? Right. So you don't get anybody to replace Coach's corner. You let that burn. You just say, <laughs> Coach's corner is done. Now let's create something else in its place. The cost of that is a lot less. You have to get good talent. You got to find new talent. They should be on a talent search, and they should be creating new entities like that within the show to get people to watch, like they used to watch Coach's Corner, because that's a brand. Brands go away, and you know what? Create a new brand. I think that's what they're going. Their biggest challenge is going to be. 
Yeah, I mean, Peter, you can't reinvent the wheel. It's like you have to have people on these panels, like TSN. They 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 do panel panel discussions in between periods. I think that's what a lot. I mean, I know for for myself back in the day when it was the satellite hot stove and hockey night in Canada with guys like uh, Pierre LeBrun and John Davidson and now um, yeah, Stracken. Yeah, um, and now now with with Chris and Elliot and uh, and. It, it was, I mean, they've included Burke a couple times. Kiprios was on there for a while, Damian Cox. I mean, those are the most, those are what fans go to to learn about rumors, to learn about news, to learn about what's going on in the league. And now, you after know, after they listen to us, after they, <laughs> you're right. Yes, after the, that, that, that just, that just confirms what they hear from, from the three of us and yeah. from Mac. But, but, you know, it is that is the most entertaining and the most informative part of those broadcasts. And now, you know, I I think that there is going to be less of that there because some of those some of those guys are gone. You know, I think the hard part is is you know games don't run according to schedule very well. Um, it's not like football where you have everything on a Sunday. You're going to have tons of fill in and stuff. I think what's going to happen is. They're going to have to work on curating the production quality differently. Um, they tried to make it hockey like a lifestyle thing with a lounge with George Strombolopoulos and all the stuff they did. Now they're going to have to come back and say, what's the meat and potatoes on this? What is the stuff that actually people want to listen to? What do they want to hear? And we have to focus in on that and maybe do a little less fluff and, and name awareness and a little more content stuff. And frankly, I would not be surprised to see a lot of different kind of approaches based on away from broadcast media and bringing some of those things in. I think they found way more success with someone like Steve Dangle than they ever thought they could. Right. And I think they're going to take some of those strategies and say, actually, this is where the future is. The future wasn't finding a, 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 a Gen X millennial type entity like George Strombolopoulos to do that. The future was the engagement tactics that these other entities were using. Guys like Steve, guy, you know, different bloggers, different media tactics. I wouldn't be surprised if they come in heavy and hire someone um, who can talk on camera and talk about analytics and make it sense. Elliot draws on a lot of public sources. He references it before. I bet you they bring someone in like that to start smartening up the game. And the, probably the reason they're going to do it is that player tracking data is coming available. And mm -hmm. you know what? Nick Kirpiros, Doug McCain, John Shannon can talk about that stuff. They can't talk about it in the way that's going to attract the next age of audience who's going to love that. That's no shot at them. Those guys are going to find jobs. They're going to find value someplace and they're going to land on their feet. You know, whether you agree or like them or not, they will. But for transforming the media landscape, it's going to be totally different and they're going to bring in someone different. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not going to give away free ideas here, but I, I already in my head, I thought of two or three ways that would be different for them to engage and to find out what their customers want. And so that's what they should be doing. Well, I, I know that, one, and one of the things that they may explore uh, next year. I know they 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 did it at the set in the second half of the year last year. Um, I know that uh, Jeff Merrick, uh, Steve, and uh, I think it was Jason York were doing uh, sort of in-game analysis and in-between stuff via Twitter. Um, and I don't know if they're, they're going to do that, but they might incorporate what they did was more, I think it was more of an, and now again, I was geo blocked from watching it because it was on Twitter in Canada and I, and because I was in the U S and I have an I U S IP address, I wasn't, wasn't able to watch it, but from third in, uh, you know, second hand, I was told it was more analytically, uh, focused, but also, you know, I mean, Steve, Steve, I know Steve and he's a real good guy and he's very entertaining and, you know, his, his, um, he's been doing his LFRs, uh, on, on YouTube for years and 
there, you know, that might be the direction that they go with 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 stuff like that. So uh, it's it's very possible that, and obviously, if he's a younger broadcaster and he's been doing some radio stuff in Toronto, and he's doing uh, podcasts with a couple a couple guys, Adam Wild and Jesse Blake, um, they're not going to be paying them as much as John Shannon and McLean and Kiprios are. So it's you know they may save money there, and we know we we know that the heir apparent to Don Cherry appears to be Brian Burke. So there it just may be just a turnover of of uh, a number of people there. And uh, but I, I'm curious to see where they go with their broadcast. Uh, you know, starting next next month when the when they when they start the next season. So okay, a uh, couple things here, uh, and then we'll take some questions. Uh, not a lot of. Uh, not, not a lot of news going on in the league right now. Um, I got something, Mike, a little bit. So there's a great video of um, Jesse Pugliarvi scoring already in Carpat. Paul Almeida put it up. That's something where, you know what? That's where his people were smart. Because talking about Jesse Pugliarvi does nothing. Showing what Jesse Pugliarvi can do does something. You know, yeah. Now you, now you see what he can do. Yeah, and uh, I mean that. I think that'll whet the appetite of. Uh, okay, okay, Peter. Talk to you. Bye bye. I, I think that'll whet the appetite of of uh, certain uh, certain teams that are interested. Now that being that being said, and I'm not ripping on Jim Matheson, but this tweet that he put out yesterday regarding interest in Pulleyarvi from Tampa Bay, and the names that he mentioned. I know. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, okay. I, if I'm at the NHL team and I've got a spot on the wing, and I can get Jesse Pugliari for a rec- a decent amount, I'm interested. If I'm Tampa Bay, if if Ken Holland is asking for Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail uh, Sergachev, or Taylor Ra- I mean, Taylor Radish, okay, because he hasn't proven himself in the NHL. That I would be willing willing to do. If it's the other two, I'm hanging up the phone. It's ridiculous. It's true. It's true. Um, I look, I thought it was funny to see Taylor Radish's name in there. Like, well, you know, Taylor Radish, sure. He played with McDavid. So yeah, put him in the deal. Like these kinds of posts are just totally ridiculous. Not in the sense that that team won't be interested but in the guys going back and forth. Like, if you don't think Tampa values Taylor Radish when they've got some high-priced guys that they have to move out, you're crazy. So, and that may be why they never will bring in a Jesse Pugliarvi because they have guys who could come up and replace him in their own system already. Why are they going to go on the outside? They probably won't. Yeah, and and let's just say this. Taylor Radish played for Erie as a 16-year-old in 2014-15, had 21 goals in 58 games. I, I, you know, were they they on the same team? Yes. Were they on the same line? I I don't believe so. I I didn't cover the Erie Otters. No, I mean, the time I went, I don't know. That was when Connor Brown was on on the line. Brown was always on the line with him. Right, and I'm like, okay, so they played on the same team. That doesn't mean they're best buds, and they, I mean, making that connection. I mean, they might be. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're not, but it just that that sort of loose connection um, doesn't. I mean, I, that doesn't add anything to the the possibility of the deal. Now, I, there was another report that uh, that Ottawa was interested in in Pugliarvi, and Connor Brown's name was mentioned, which would be a little strange for them to trade Connor Brown you know, literally two months after they obtained him from Toronto. And, you know, you've, you've got DJ Smith there as their new head coach and he brought in a bunch of ex Leafs. So, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be a successful season for, for the Sens, but I think they want to develop some sort of winning atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so I, I would doubt that, but it, it makes them move Brown. Like they, you're right. DJ Smith has to show the other players. You see what Connor Brown does here. This is what I want us to do. Right. He understands my system. We all need to understand it. Watch Connor Brown a little bit. Why is he going to trade him? Yeah, and it. I mean, it makes sense from the Edmonton point of view because Brown was uh, McDavid's. It's all written 
by the Edmonton point of view. There's no real other side to this. That's the problem with it. Exactly. Um, we've gone got another breaking. Oh, Go ahead. Uh, we're, this is at the time. Um, the NHL just posted side-by-side -side pictures of Evgeny Malkin seemingly at the same place he goes to vacation either every year or at least the last two years and running in a black bathing suit. Well, last year, I think it's fair to say that for him, he was a little pudgy. Now, you could still see abs, which I don't even ever, even when I was skinny, didn't have abs, so I can't say anything. But this, the photo on the right, I want to say he is a good 20 pounds lighter, and now you could see a six-pack. So clearly, this is something that Evgeny Malkin has done in the offseason to try and up his game, which I think was smart. And what an older, a lot of times aging athletes have to have this epiphany where it's like, okay, I can't just simply do what I used to do anymore. Sure. I have to do more. Now, this is the difference, by the way, between Malkin and Crosby because Crosby does this every year right. without having to see a picture of himself or have someone say your play's falling off. It's just something that's built into him, but at least Malkin's learning. Right, and Malkin, I believe, and I'm looking up as as we speak. I think he's got two years left on his latest contract. No, 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 yeah, exactly. After this year, he's got two more years at nine point five million dollars. Uh, I believe he's thirty two or thirty, yeah, thirty two or thirty three. So he, you know, if he wants another contract, maybe you know he doesn't. Unlike Ovechkin, he doesn't want to go back to Russia and play. Maybe he wants to re-sign in the NHL, re-sign with the Penguins after that contract is up. He's going to have to stay in shape and show that he has longevity and can play into his late thirties. Otherwise, right. you know, he'll, he'll, otherwise if he wants to stay, it'll be, you know, year by year, like most of the veteran guys are. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple pieces of news here. Um, we've continued to go over the list of UFA, uh, players and one of the names we'd mentioned a few times in our little one-year PTO or NADA game was Ben Lovejoy. Well, Ben Lovejoy announced his retirement uh, yesterday. Um, not a big surprise. Thirty-five years old, had a pretty decent career, um, but you know he played he played for Dallas last year after being mm -hmm. traded by the Devils and didn't seem like he was you know somebody who wouldn't be given a chance, but. Maybe, maybe Russ, he was only offered a PTO. And in that instance, being where he was in his career, he wasn't interested in signing a deal for $700,000. So this shows sort of like the ageism that's going on in the league right now. You're 34, 35 years old, and your skill's starting to slip a little bit. A few years ago, you'd be able to get another contract. Now, not so much. Well, I mean, you have to look at it this way. Is he known for offense? No. no. Is he known for speed? No. Tough to play in this era past 30, even as a defenseman, which, again, everybody has an interest in defensemen. All teams do. But you have to have a couple things. Speed's one of them. He doesn't have that. So then he doesn't have that great offensive game. Yes, it's nice that you can be tough and play good defense. Teams don't need that as much anymore. So – hence his situation, and I think he's doing the right thing. Yeah, and again, if you look at the list now, um, and just uh, I'll concentrate on defensemen. Mm -hmm. um, if you take Lovejoy into account, even though he was a better offensive player in his day, but Dion Phaneuf only had six points last year in 67 games. I don't think he's getting a PTO. He's, he's a year younger than, than Lovejoy, and I, you know, he was terrible for the Kings last year. I, I don't know if he's going to get offered anything from anybody. No, uh, I'm not sure he will. Honestly. Yeah. Mark Mathot has injury problems. His career may be over with Nicholas Cronval. Apparently it's been left up to him, whether he wants to come back with the, with the, uh, with the wings. That's a weird situation because he's 38 years old. Um, but then after that, it's a lot of guys. And the other name that was uh, mentioned, uh, you know, Dennis Bernstein mentioned in one of his tweets that the Kings are talking. Kings are among a number of teams talking to Ben Hutton. Now, Ben Hutton's 26 years old. And it, the I know. Huh? And, he, and he's, it's August 30th, and he's not signed. Yeah. 
Age doesn't matter. It's more like, what can you do? Can you transport the puck? Can you skate a little bit? Can you give us a few points? Can you, you know, playing defense is a part of it, but you have to admit playing defense now is different. So yeah. if you're talking about just tough in your face defense, you better be one of the best in the league at it. Otherwise teams aren't going to spend a lot of money for that because they're just trying to get the puck out of their own end. They're doing it as a team sport. And, and that, and when you do it that way, mobile transportation of the puck is the key. And so you better be one of those guys. Otherwise, like, look, you know, a guy like Jordan Leopold, he, he played for a long time. He would still play for a long time in this era because he had those skills. Because he could skate, yeah. yeah. And and the thing is, if you look, and I'm not saying that, I'm just saying this because I am more aware of their developmental and, um, you know, evaluation model than I am of other teams. If you look at what Kyle Dubas has done with the Leafs over the last couple of years, every one of the defensemen that he has drafted they will sacrifice size for mobility. Right. Um, guys like Mac Hollowell, who was an overager for Sault Ste. Marie, who they drafted at 19 years old in the fourth round. He got into the into the American Hockey League playoffs last year. He's probably going to be a full-timer for the Marlies. If he shows he can not give away the puck with his skating ability, he has a chance of making the Leafs in 2020. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Based, based completely on his skating ability. You know, like – yeah. There are articles being written about Miro Heiskanen skating already. In If this were, I don't know, 10 years ago, would Heiskanen have gotten the same chance as he's getting now? Maybe not. But now, because he is that kind of skater and can do the other things, he gets a much earlier look and a much better chance of making it earlier because it's what the league is. It's what the league needs. So it all, you know, as the league changes – Players have to change too. I always say like there's times when, and again, we could use um, the Leafs as an example. And uh, Tyler Biggs is the perfect example of drafting a guy. And while you're developing him, the league changes. And by the time that guy is ready, he can't play in the league. Uh, Lance Norman in the chat asks an interesting question. I just looked it up. Uh, Nicholas Cronwall has 953 career games. So if he signed a one-year deal, he would get over a thousand games with the Wings. So it, it could play that many games. Yeah, if he could play 47 more games, I, I, I last year I think he's thinking about it. If it was only 20, he would do it because he'd probably play like 38, 40 games, no problem. Right. I don't know. Forty-seven games is a long time for him to play now. Well, last year, last year he played 79 games. I know, but. He was on his last leg last year. So what's yeah. that like this year? Yeah. Uh, we'll take some questions in the chat here. Just uh, one more note here. Um, I'm going to take in the, uh, the the prospect challenge in Buffalo next weekend. Um, uh, Jack Hughes will be part of the, the Devils group. It's the Devils, I believe, the Penguins and the Bruins along with the Sabres. But the, uh, the Sabres, two, I would say, most prominent prospects, Dylan Cousins, their first-round pick from this year, and Uka Pekalukkanen, who won the gold with uh, Finland last year and was, I believe, the OHL's best goaltender, um, who both of them will not play in, in this rookie tournament, this prospect challenge. Uh, Lukanen's coming off a hip injury, and I know you talked to him at the, uh, the upper deck uh, photo shoot. Uh, and Cousins had injured his thumb at, at the rookie development camp in, in late June or early July. But so both of them are not playing in the tournament. I'm assuming they're going to they're going to play at some point during training camp. But uh, what did you when you talked to them, Russ? Did you talk uh, to Lukanen about the uh, the hip? Yeah, and um, when he he said it's 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 fine. Like, and he was the one thing about the rookie photo shoot. Teams won't let guys go out there injured. They won't. Mm -hmm. Even though it's just for a training card because they're out on the ice, they're doing goalie movements, they're out there stretching, there's players taking shots on them. Are they, you know, is it through the length of an NHL game? No. And did Pekka Lukanen play in the game of shinny after the shoot is over? No. So there's limitations, you know, and, and so they still let him out there. He was doing goalie movements. I saw him take a one-timer or two. Uh, so I think he's fine, and he thinks he's fine. The issue is why take a chance? There's no reason to take a chance. He's, you know, he's a young player. He is their future. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, 
doing it that way. Cousins, I told you, he was firing a puck as good as I've ever seen Dylan Cousins fire a puck. And I was standing behind the glass, and he was shooting right at me. So there was no loss of velocity. There was no, like, one of those or anything. He looked as good as you could look. So, again, they're just making sure because one slash, while you're still recovering from something, could set him back. And then you would feel like, well, why did I play him in that rookie tournament when there was a little hint of, well, we just want to keep him healthy and make sure when he comes into camp, he truly is 100%. That's what it is. But I do want to tell you that in that in that soundbite that will eventually end up on uh, off post, there was a Finnish guy that chimed in because I said that we talked about Finnish baseball. And that mother basically came out and said that Major League Baseball players, you don't have to be very athletic to play the sport and compared to Finnish baseball. And, I, and he has since deleted the tweet because he probably got destroyed. I was the first to to sort of jump on that. Listen, guys who play Major League Baseball are not the Catholics. I get it. But they're still finely tuned athletes. You go try and hit a 100-mile-an-hour baseball. Like, the high, you know, I went to and, and tried out for a semi-pro team, and I had to hit a guy throwing 88, and it took all I had to be able to, you know, get an infield hit and make contact with a guy throwing 88. Yeah. You go 10 more miles an hour, and I don't care who you are, if that ball moves a little bit, that's one of the hardest things to do on earth. It really is. Like hockey players don't just walk in and hit, you know, name your guy, Justin Verlander, pitching full Justin Verlander. They go into, you know, they go into uh, warm-ups when they go into batting practice and they can hit that. We all could hit that. Oh, all I could say is I've ste- I stepped into a batting cage one time where the where the uh, the machine was supposed to throw over 90. And I was I was fearful of being hit by the ball, and of course, you know the three, two or three people before me, you know, it's throwing right down the middle, right down the middle, no problem. Okay, worst thing I can do is look foolish going in there, swinging and missing. I go in there, and first pitch, it hits me in the thigh, <laughs> and I had the size, of the the a black and blue mark on this on my thigh, the size of a basketball for about three weeks after that. So your, your baseball career has been marred with injuries. Yes, it it has. Unfortunately, I broke my my own my most serious injury was playing softball. I broke my ankle hitting the bag at first base. So, you know, beating out a ground ball. And you pulled two quads at the same time, which is hard to do. <laughs> oh, what an athlete I am! Okay, uh, let's see. Esmir asks here: Will we see more college players fighting for a spot for various teams? I mean, you'll see some. I, I, I think someone like Chase Prisky gets a look in camp, but I don't think he makes it in Carolina unless there's an injury because they have a lot of guys. Uh, there'll be some, but I don't think there's going to be an inordinate amount, no. I, I agree with that, but I, I think also what you're going to see here is with these players, I mean, most of these players are going to be drafted already. So it's like they yeah. they, they, they can be in, in college three or four years, sign their pro deals, step right into the league at the end of the year like a few players did last year. That That's going to happen. Um, college free agents are hit or, hit or miss. Yeah. That, that, that's tough. I mean, and that's more of what I'm talking about. And most of the time you want to start them in the AHL. I mean, Will Butcher was an exception, but yeah. he's a great exception. Kale McCarr, obviously, if he were a free agent, would have played right away. But, there, you know, a guy like Kale McCarr never gets to be a college free agent unless he wants to be, right? So right. most of the time those guys are going to start in the AHL. But some of them, I, I could see a few of them, and Prisky being one of them, getting call-ups this year. I definitely could. Uh, Funky Cold Zadina with his usual question uh, per show. Who gets more points this season, Hughes or Kako? Um, I'll, I'll go first. I, I think it'll be Hughes because Hughes is a center, and I think Kako is more of a goal scorer. Not to say that Kako is not going to get assists, but I think Hughes will end up with more points. I'm going to go Hughes too, and clearly Funky has a size bias and bigger as well. He's a bigger guy with a pro body, and you know the 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 issue is I actually think that the Devils need Hughes more on their power play than the Rangers need Kako on their power play. Okay. So think about it, like, yeah, the Devils have Taylor Hall, and they—I forget who they're going to have at the uh, point. It's going to be Subban. Subban, yeah. Taylor Hall, Subban. Who's the uh, next best guy that you can name? And we're going to include probably, probably probably Wayne Simmons in front of the net. Simmons in front of the net, 
and then you got maybe Heischer and and Hughes, right? I mean, those that's their best players. You go with the Rangers, you've got a lot more options. You do. Cackle yeah. could be on their second power play. Could be. Uh, Anthony asks Mike Tavares or Matthews for Leafs captain. Uh, I I think it's going to be Matthews. Um, not that, you know, Tavares has been a captain before and now he's been in that locker room for a year. It wouldn't be a bad choice. I don't think Morgan Riley would be a bad choice, but I, I think, think Riley would be a great choice. And then it gets you out of that whole, well, is it Mourners, Matthews or Tav- and Tavares? And in a way, I think it helps Austin Matthews if you make it Riley. So I could see Riley too. I, I could see Riley, but I think it's going to be Matthews. I think, yeah. they, I think they've been holding it back because they were waiting for Matthews to be old. I agree. If they I, were, the most likely choice, but I, I don't mind if it's Riley, honestly. Yeah, if they were gonna if they were gonna give it to Riley, I think they would have given it to Riley last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um can you uh Cameron Young asks, can you see Sportsnet losing their deal with the NHL at some point? No, it's a contra- it's yeah. a contract. Yeah. They're not gonna lose the deal because they you know they're this is all internal sportsnet stuff. Yeah, this is just to make more money. This isn't or lose less money. Yeah, made money, make money. They're making money, Mike. I mean, let's. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that they're they're letting these guys go to lose to lose less money or to to budget for less money. So. Right. I mean, again, accounting wise, they may be losing money, but they're bringing in revenue. Uh, last question here. Uh, Steve James asks: The way the league is going, do you guys think the defense position could become obsolete to where teams would choose to have more forwards? on a 20-man roster and use less additional defense? No, I mean, what's going to happen is... No, it is a good question because, like, I'm sure in the 20s, defensemen weren't thought of as, like, Bobby Orr. And then when everybody saw Bobby Orr, they were like, oh, this is what defensemen could be now instead of having to be, like, that tough guy that punches you in the mouth so you don't get to the puck or creams you in the corner. Yeah. But you're still always going to have defense. You have to have a defensive mind. Like there's even if if you're an offensive defenseman, you still have to have a defensive mind. Like I don't know how you were in sports, but if I played basketball, I was like a defense first guy. I I knew how to steal the ball and get it going the other way. I kind of knew where other players were going to go to and maybe could get in their way. Yeah, I had a good jump shot and I could do other things. But you know what I mean? Even for baseball, like my mind goes to defense before it goes to offense. And so I think that you always have to have a defensive mind in sports. Yeah. All right. Um, Great show. Um, We will be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, For Russ Cohen, for – What's that? I said see in September. Yep. For Russ Cohen, for Peter Tessia, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.